Hey, it's awesome to be with you guys again today. I love being in the house of the Lord, don't you? It's so good to be with you all. And you know, God could have created you at any point in history. Do you know that? He's the beginning and the end. He could, he could have created you back in the 1910s, whatever. He could have made you at any point in history. And for that matter, he could have made you at any point in the future as well too. But he chose right now for you to be alive. He chose each of you to be here today. And that is a pretty crazy thing when you think about it. Think about how random life really is and, and the chances of us being placed together in a spiritual family right here and right now. You know, you have to see the hand of God at work in that. Right? You have to see the hand of it, It's just incredible that he actually created you to be here right here right now with us, everybody here together today. It's an amazing thing. There's no chance in that. There's actually only purpose you think about that, it's just, it's purpose. It's a beautiful purpose. And Lord, we thank you today for bringing us together. Amen? We thank you that we are here together, that you've placed us with each other today. It's a blessing. It's a true blessing. And we will always marvel at the work of his hands. Amen? Come on. Now, you know, talking about that, what I just said at face value, requires us to have some, some trust and some faith in the sovereignty of God, Right? Pastor John very expertly gave insight last week into how faith works. Remember that? If you, don't, if you don't remember it, you can always go online and watch it again, by the way. All the sermons are there. You can watch again. It's a fantastic, fantastic message. And I believe, actually, that the season that we're in right now uh, is requiring a lot of trust. It requires a lot of trust in us and a lot of faith in his sovereignty in everything. Why is that? Because if we don't have it, then we're relying we're relying on ourselves. Uh, we're relying on other people. We're relying on the structures and the systems of man, right? And uh, we're not having, instead of that, you know, we're not actually having faith in the sovereignty of God if we put our faith into those structures. And I don't know about you, but I've noticed that those structures are not doing so well these days. <laughs> you have to have faith in something else, something else that's greater, and it requires something from us. It actually requires us to have a high degree of faith. Amen? And when you become a Christian, you quickly realize that faith is a necessity. It's a must. And faith is actually the entrance point to a relationship with God. God can have relationship with us only because of his grace. Right? He has given us, his people, grace through Jesus. He's given us grace. So what do we give him in return? We now give him our faith in return. That's how the relationship works. Grace to us, faith to him. That's how it works. And that is why faith is so important to us that are in Christ. So faith is a starting point, but it's also a key element to life. Have you noticed that Jesus had quite a bit, a lot, he, you know, he actually spoke a lot about other people's faith in the Bible, in the Gospels. Have you, did you notice that? He spoke a lot about it. In most cases, he asked and he wondered, you know, saying, oh, ye of little faith, or, you know, where is your faith? He said that a lot. But there was other times where he marveled at some people's faith as well, too. Think about the, the example of the centurion that was in Matthew 8. And when the centurion came to Jesus asking for help for his servant, Jesus, agrees to come, Jesus he agreed to come with him. But like in a, in a marvelous kind of display of faith, he told Jesus, you know, just say the word and it'll be done. He'll be healed if you just say the words right here, right now. Right? Because, and I love that too because he was a Roman, the centurion, right? 
And he was basically appropriating the, he's, uh, he was understanding the authority that, that he understood Roman authority. Uh, and he was appropriating that type of authority in Jesus, which was actually really cool when you think about it. So when Jesus heard this, he was astonished and said, you know, he said to those following, I tell you the truth, I have not found faith in anyone in Israel that has such great faith as this man right here. Then Jesus said to the servant, go and it'll be done just as you said it would be done. And the servant was healed right then, right there, that very hour, right when he said it. He didn't have to go see him, he didn't have to lay hands, nothing. He said, you said it in faith, it's going to happen that way. Pretty incredible, right? The healing took place according to the faith of the soldier and in the exact way that the centurion asked for. And when you think about it, Jesus just actually just came into agreement with the faith that had already been displayed. That's pretty neat, isn't it? Do you think that same could happen today? Do you think that the same can happen today? If we say something in faith that it can happen, maybe hands don't even have to be laid on somebody. Maybe we just say it in faith and it will be. Do you believe that? Do you have faith to believe that? Come on, Lord, you can do it. So faith is an interesting concept. When you understand the importance it has to God. So why is it important? Well, Hebrews 11 explains it well. In Hebrews 11.6, Paul writes to the Hebrews, Without faith, it is impossible to please God. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. So this passage boldly declares that without faith, you can't please God. Because the simple truth remains that we must believe that he exists before we can, can, before we can actually come to him. That's something, isn't it? I find it funny how I know there's, there's a few people here that actually go out into the streets and talk about Jesus to people. And it's, I find it quite amazing how there's a lot of people that don't believe in Jesus, but they're ready to receive prayer regardless. Isn't that funny? Because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists. So you have to believe that he exists, obviously, before the miracle can happen, right? So it's impossible to please God without faith. Another important realization here is that if it is impossible to please God without faith, then the opposite is also true right? Faith is what pleases God. Faith is what pleases him. We can see that even in the example of the centurion. Faith was important to Jesus. He looked for it and responded to it everywhere he went. So the underlying truth to grasp here is that God responds to faith. He always does. He always responds to faith. It pleases him and it moves him to act. And because of that, it's essential in the life of the believer. Amen? Yeah, we have to believe it. I had a friend growing up uh, from a very young age. I know you guys remember Tony uh, growing up. And uh, when he first started hanging out with us, he was uh, somebody that always lied about everything. <laughs> he was always lying about stuff. And I believe that because of his background, I think he was doing it to try and impress us, you know, and try to make it seem like he was someone of importance, even though we were young and we just were like, yeah, whatever, we don't believe you. And, but, you know, he accepted Jesus and he started to change. And, you know, he, that was no longer his identity. And, uh, but, you know, I, 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 don't you hate it, though, when people, I, I'd hate to be in his shoes. I think about what it would have been like to be in his shoes. Has anyone ever doubted you before in something that you've said? Has anyone ever doubted what you've said before? Has anyone ever doubted your faith before? That's an even better question. You know, where you express what your faith is and they're like, eh, I don't know about that. Right? Doesn't that bother you? Sometimes our, our testimonies can even sometimes be, seem too good to be true. 
right? I know some of your testimonies, and they're incredible. I know that where you've been and where you are now is, is like black and white, right? Where you were to where you are today, that's an incredible testimony. If you told some people, they might not believe you, right? It's just so unbelievable that it had to be God, amen? I love those kind of testimonies, by the way. I don't want to see more of them. Regardless, isn't it highly insulting when people doubt our words? It can't be, can't it? But you want to know one thing that bothers me more when someone doesn't believe me? What bothers me more is that when someone doubts God's word. I find that a lot more troubling, when someone doubts God's word. Because God's word, it's a word that never changes. God's word is a word that is alive. His word is alive. It's a word that gives hope. In fact, it's a word that gives the only hope that we can actually cling on to. It is the only hope. And it's the only word that gives truth. Not just a, 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 you know, not just a wishy-washy truth, not just a, my own truth. No, it is the truth. His word is the truth. It's a truth that you can build a foundation on. You know, it bothers me when people don't believe that. But here's the good thing about it. Here's what gets me through it is this. It's the fact that the good news is that he loves it when we believe what it says. He finds pleasure in that. When we say, okay, this is the truth, I believe in it, that pleases God. We please God when we're operating in a state of belief and not in a state of doubt. Amen? Yeah. Pastor John last week gave us the definition of what faith is based on what we read in Hebrews 11. It says this, faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. I love that verse. Let me make it uh, abundantly clear, though. It's not blindly believing, is it? It's not blind belief. It's not blind faith is what people kind of coin that as. It's not blind faith. It's believing without seeing, but it's based on what we know about the character of God. That's what it comes down to. In other words, no matter how difficult it is to believe, faith believes because we know the character of God to be good. To be true. We know the character of God to be truth. We know the character of God to be love. That is the character of God, and that's what we put our belief in. It's not blind. It's knowing his character. I believe that the challenge today is this, is that are you taking God's word at face value? Right? Are we taking his word at face value? Do you trust what he says? If he said he would work everything out for your good, then we should trust that he will. <laughs> every, every single situation, amen? Every situation. Today we have to walk daily in faith. Trust the Lord with an unwavering faith. Why is that? Because trusting in our logic or our feelings, it always ends in disappointment when we trust in ourselves. There's so many people today that says, well, you know, I'm living my own truth. Come on. Come on. Or, well, I'm just letting my heart lead me to where I need to go. No, your heart is wicked. <laughs> your truth is no good because it changes all the time. There's only one truth. There's only one hope. And I know who I have to give my heart to as well. Hallelujah. How many people know that seeking him in faith is the best life you could ever live? Come on. I don't want my own truth. That's scary. I want his truth. Hallelujah. And there's a, there's a temptation 
to think that the, the world is in a, it's in a terrible place right now. There is a temptation to, to think that. And in many ways it is. In many ways it is. You know, but growing in the church, I got to tell you that, you know, <laughs> I've been here for a long time in the church. And I, I think I've heard that people saying, oh, these are the end times. Probably every two to three years people are saying that. <laughs> We're in the end times. And I've heard that saying a long time. First it was in the 80s. I heard that a lot. Then in the 90s. Then the 2000s, then the 2010s, now in 2022. Well, we're definitely in the 20, we're definitely in the end times now. I don't know who we are. Maybe we are. I don't know. I have no idea. He's kind of like a thief of the knife. We only know in part, so who knows, right? But anyways, we don't know if it is the end times or not, and uh, we just have to believe and have faith in Him. Every decade seems to be the utmost in depravity in history, but here's the thing, though: our nature is actually depravity. Right? It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if it looks bad out there. Our nature, our nature is depravity. And there's nothing new under the sun. If you read about history, ancient Greek history, you'd think that that was probably the end times as well, too. There's pretty awful things going on there as well, too. Right? Nothing new under the sun. Maybe we define it differently. But let me tell you this. The devil is not very creative. He's not a creative guy. He does the same thing over and over again. The devil is not very creative. He knows what gets humanity in trouble, and he does it continually over and over again through generation to generation, over and over again. When Paul wrote the Hebrews, the Christians were in turmoil, in a very similar way to that we are today, actually. It was a decision time for them when he wrote that verse. They were questioning, you know, do we cling to the old ways, right, of the temple worship and ceremony? Or, or do we put our full faith solely in Jesus and follow him? The only difference with them is that there were, actually, there were Christians being killed at the time as well, too. So it was a huge decision to make, a little bit different than us right now. Uh, so their lives were in, in question as well, too. But uh, to bolster their faith, Paul argued that Jesus is the true apostle of God. He is our great high priest. And if you read the rest of chapter 11, he recounts a list of Old Testament heroes who also chose to live by faith as well. To give them an example... That, you know, there's other people that include in the Old Testament. You know, there's Abel, there is Enoch, there is Noah, there's Abraham, there's Isaac, there's Jacob. These are all people who live by faith. They all live by faith. And now we do as well. And in these opening verses in chapter 11, Paul also shows us that there are actually three aspects of faith presented in the Word. And they're this. Faith is a gift. Faith is a choice. And faith is a discipline. Right? That's what faith is. Let's start with faith, faith as a gift. Faith is a gift. I love gifts. Christmas is coming. Amen. Who here likes gifts? I love gifts. I love, giving, I love giving gifts. I love receiving gifts. Maybe it's one of my love languages. I don't know, but I love it. All right? I love gifts because if something is given as a gift, it means it's given because there is a need. At least that's the principle anyways. <laughs> right? You might be given an air fryer this Christmas, but chances are you probably don't need one. Right? You probably don't need an air fryer. You've got an oven. You've got a stove. You have a microwave. You probably have a toaster oven. Do you really need an air fryer? Probably not. <laughs> probably, yeah, you probably don't need a gift like that. But the thing about God is that he never gives us something that we don't need. Right? In terms of the gifting, he gives us gifts. He doesn't, never gives us something that we don't need. And like I said at the very beginning, faith is vitally needed. And the good news is that God still grants gifts of faith today. Faith is a gift. Need an example? Well, we need to pray that God will give the, the gift to the lost people out there, to the world, you know, who don't know him. He needs to give them the gift to see with eyes of faith 
to see what they actually need, the truth of understand who he is. That gift needs to be given to the lost so that they can see him. Amen? This is what happened to Paul, a gift of faith uh, given to someone. Can, uh, sorry, this is what happened to Paul. You know, he was actually given the gift of faith to see, like he was Saul before, and then he was given the gift of faith to see who Jesus was on the road. He fell off, he was blind, and he was, he was gifted. His, eye, his eyesight was taken away, but then he saw who the Jesus was. That's what I meant by that note. I was wondering why I wrote that there. But that's exactly what happened to Paul. He had his eyes opened. A gift of faith given to someone can undo decades of lies. Did you know that? It can actually undo everything that they thought was truth before and totally change them. A gift of faith given to someone can open eyes that have been veiled for ages. A gift of faith can undo all of that in just an instant, right away. But it's not just the lost that need to receive the gift of faith either, is it? It's for us too, God's people as well. When it comes to specific gifts of the Spirit, remember that one of them is actually specifically the gift of faith. Do you remember that? It says in 1 Corinthians 12, 7 through 9, Now to each one the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. So the gifts are given for the common good, for, for all of us, for us commonly, all together. To one there is given through the Spirit a message of wisdom, to another a message of knowledge by the means of the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit. All great gifts, but faith is one of them. And, you know, we don't talk about the gift of faith all that much in these uh, kind of charismatic kind of circles, do we? We don't talk about the gift of faith all that much. But it's an important one. It's a very important one. These people with the gift of faith have, have great ability to trust God. So you have the gift of faith. You can trust God in almost any circumstance. That is a gift. That's a gift. If we look back... I'm just thinking, too, if we look back at some of the, the founding members of the apostolic church in, in the world, man, some of those people had an incredible gift of faith. Think about that. They would literally drop everything, their entire lives, their careers. They would drop everything just to belt the, go belt the globe with the gospel. As missionaries, they would go anywhere in the world, drop everything to go and preach. That, was, that is a gift of faith. Come on. Now, most of us don't have a gift of faith like our forefathers here, but I do know that God still gives wonderful gifts. And he gives wonderful gifts of faith to anybody who asks for it as well, too. We just have to ask for it. Think about that for a second. If we ask for the gift of faith, what that would do to our lives. If we had the gift of faith, think about what that would do in your family. If you had the gift of faith, if your family was struggling and you came in in faith and said, it's not going to be like this. Our family is meant to be together. Our, our family, you, you declare truth over your family. Imagine what that would be like. Imagine if you went into your workplace where everything was bad and everything, the, 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 the management was horrible. There was no, uh, you know, I, I've been to a lot of workplaces where it's very toxic. Imagine going into a toxic workplace with the gift of faith and saying, this place is going to turn around. This place is going to be the top office. This Peterborough local sales office is going to be the best office in all of Canada. Imagine that. Imagine having that gift of faith. Imagine being in a church where everybody has the gift of faith. Oh, boy. Anyone comes into, the, comes into the assembly with a sickness or with a difficulty, and we say, you're going to be healed in the name of Jesus. Come on. I want the gift of faith. How about you? Oh, but you know, I love, the, I love the scripture in the Bible where a father came to Jesus with his son for healing. 
And what did, he, what did he say to Jesus? Lord, I believe. I believe in you, but help me with my unbelief. I love that because it's, Lord, I believe in you, but I'm just a man. I have unbelief. It's, it's admitting the fact that, man, I don't, I don't have it in and of myself to do this. I need you. I need you to change me. He wanted the gift of faith. It's a beautiful scripture, isn't it? So often we forget to live by faith, and I think the real reason behind that is that faith is also a choice. Faith is also a choice. Faith is not only a gift, it's also a choice. There are a lot of choices that you make as soon as your eyes open first thing in the morning. Have you noticed that? As soon as your eyes open first thing in the morning. I believe that actually uh, the most vo- we're, we're actually the most vulnerable to attack probably first thing in the morning and right before you go to sleep. Those are two times of that you're very vulnerable as a person. Why is that? Because I think at any other point during the day, you can distract yourself. There's lots of stuff going on. You could be at work. There could be other things. There could be TV. There could be, there's tons of things that take our attention away. But when you wake up in the morning, there's not a whole lot. When you go to bed at night, you're facing your face. You're facing your, your thoughts one-on-one, right? That's when you're, that's when you're vulnerable. So just in the morning, when you wake up in the morning and you have to face a new day, what's the first thing that you do first? Well, let's be honest. A lot of us are like, I can't do a single thing until I've had a cup of coffee. There's a lot of mugs. I've seen there's a lot of mugs out there at the gift shops that say, you know, coffee first or whatever. All right? And I get it. It's very difficult. But you know what? Because it's difficult, I think, it's the, I think it, having faith in the morning, declaring faith statements over yourself in the morning is actually the best thing you can do. Because it is difficult, right? When you get into the holy habit of choosing Christ first, it becomes a, a muscle that you exercise. It gets easier and easier to call on the Lord and ask him uh, in faith for grace for that day. And after you know he'll be going in front of you, when you pray that, when you ask for your grace during the day, you, you're knowing that he's going to be going in front of you in everything that you're doing in that day. And then you can have peace about that. That's when you can have your coffee, when you've had that peace. Amen? Yeah. Choice and faith actually go hand in hand. God has always given us the ability to make our own choices because freedom of will and choice ensure that our love for him can actually be genuine. Right? Our love can be genuine because we have free will. How does this faith work in our everyday lives? Well, when you're faced with an important decision in life, what do you do first? I know what I'm tempted to do. I'm tempted to analyze what if I do this? What if I do that? If I do this, this is what's going to happen. If I do that, this is what's going to happen. Which way is it going? Let's, let's look at the pros and the cons. Let's make a list. We'll do pros, cons, pros, cons. And then you start to worry. Well, I don't know. The cons are pretty bad. The pros are pretty good. I don't know. What choice do I make? Right? That's what you do when you're faced with a choice. And you make your choice either way. And you know what worry is? I think about worry, too. Worry is also a choice. Worry is also a choice that you make. You know? Uh, it means that I can mull over the decision in my head and worry about it. And if you're, if you're a worrier, if, somebody, if you are somebody that worries, and most of us are at some points in our lives, uh, you know, uh, you need to have some self-awareness of the situation because when you worry, you're not actually trusting God of the universe. You're actually putting trust in yourself instead of God. Worry is actually a reliance on your own understanding when it comes down to it. Don't believe me? I've got a verse to back it up as well, too. Check it out. Proverbs 3, 5. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. Don't trust on your own understanding. Don't trust on your own decision-making process. Bring God into the equation. 
right? Then the decision actually doesn't really matter all that much because he's going to bless, as long as you bring him into the equation, he's going to bless the decision that you make. That's been my experience anyways. He just wants to be invited into the party, right? Ultimately, the choice for faith is very similar to the choice you made for salvation as well, too. Choosing Jesus means that you understand you can't save yourself, right? You need the blood of Jesus. You need the blood of Jesus to cleanse you. You need his blood. Choosing faith in the Lord is admitting that I can't make some decisions on my own either. Same thing. I need you, Lord, to help me make a choice built on faith. And again, Scripture gives us good direction on this. In in, uh, Colossians 2 and 6, it says, Just as you received Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live your lives in him, rooted and built up in him, strengthened in the faith. Strengthened in the faith. A faith choice not only says, I can't do this thing on my own. It also says, I don't want to do this thing on my own. I don't want it. I don't want it. I don't want to do this without you, Lord. Why do we say that? If you're a Christian, you've experienced this, you know that, you know, you see how you've been blessed by putting him in your decision-making process. You see how you've been led into places that you would have never done on your own because of his blessing. You, you, know, you see how all good things in life are a result of choosing him first. That's what you see. And you get to see that in every area of your life as well, too. It's pretty amazing when you experience that. Guess what? I want more of that. You can never have enough Christ in, in your life, in, in every aspect of your life. He, he has to be invited into every single part of your life, every single aspect of it. Amen? Build me up, Lord. Build us up. Let us be strengthened in the faith. Amen? Right. So faith is a gift. Faith is a choice. But faith is also a discipline. Woo, discipline. Faith is a lifestyle. I find it funny that whenever people hear the word discipline, they immediately feel tired. You notice that? People don't like the word discipline. It's not a very compelling word. But let me tell you this. Change and success, it actually never happens without an element of discipline in it. It doesn't. Nothing just falls into your lap. There has to be some discipline involved. Making a choice for Christ is a discipline, right? Earlier in Hebrews 11, verse 5, Paul talks about Enoch. Remember Enoch? How much we know about him? Not much. We don't know a whole lot about Enoch, right? But uh, very little is known about him in Scripture. But in actuality, he was the first prophet. Jude describes how he prophesied about the coming of the Lord. But back in Genesis 5, through 24, it says this of him. This is what it says. This is what we know about Enoch. Enoch walked with God for 300 years. It's a long time. 300 years, that's not bad. 300 years. Enoch walked faithfully with God, and he was no more. What? He's no more, for God took him. He was, there. He was here, and then he was God. That's about all we know about him. It's funny, there's a funny story about Enoch. Uh, my, my grandfather, Pastor Morris, he led uh, a youth group in Montreal. And uh, there was this uh, lady in Montreal that we knew was a close, family of the, uh, close friend of the family named Diane. And uh, she told us once that when she was in youth group with Pastor Morris, he made them all do uh, a, a little kind of a research project on people in the Bible. And he gave Diane Enoch. And she was like, Enoch? There's two verses in the Bible. What am I supposed to do about Enoch? funny. I thought that was funny anyways. Talk about a fun youth group, right? Research projects on Enoch. 
when it comes, it, when, when it says that God took Enoch, though, it means that he was caught up into heaven without seeing death. That's pretty cool. There's only three people in the Bible that didn't die. Enoch, Elijah, and Jesus. That's it. Enoch was one, so he must have been pretty special, right? Why did God decide to take him? Why did he take Enoch? It was because faith was his lifestyle. That's why. His, his habit of living, not just for one day a week, not just when he felt like it, but always. That was his lifestyle. And God was pleased with Enoch because of it. And one day he even took him straight to heaven. How about that? God is happy to see his children trusting in him. On the other hand, we also need to be aware that he's not thrilled when we fail to trust him. We've all known people in church as well, too, wonderful followers of God on Sunday, but the other six days of the, of the week, not so much, right? <laughs> not so much. That wasn't Enoch in this situation, right? He was disciplined. Clearly, he lived what he preached. Even though we don't know much about him, we know that he is a perfect example of this, this uh, word in Hebrews 11. Without faith, it is impossible to please God because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and is a rewarder of those who earnestly seek him. Enoch was clearly rewarded. He didn't see corruption. He didn't see death. He was taken right up. He was rewarded. And I love that word too in, in, that, in that verse too, the word earnestly. It's a powerful word. word. It means with all of your heart. It means with all of your days, right? It's a continual seeking after God by faith. When you live this way, your faith becomes strong, like a muscle that is daily being exercised. And I know one thing you could say about exercise is that it, it's only effective when it's coupled with discipline. Am I right, Joe? Am I right, Caleb? It has to be coupled with discipline. It has to be. It has to be. Why does Galatians 3.11 say the just shall live by faith? It's because faith is a discipline, and discipline becomes a lifestyle. I don't know about you, but I want to be like Enoch. I don't want to be taken away right yet, but <laughs> I want God to be pleased with me, right? I want to be so disciplined that I keep calling on the name of the Lord in every situation. That's my go-to. Whether circumstances are good or bad, I keep trusting him no matter what. That's what I want. Amen? I just want to recall what I said a few weeks ago as well, too. And it's that fear says, what fear says is fear says, you know, what if this happened? No, I think I was on the right one. No, no, I'm not. <laughs> I, what I said last week was fear says, fear says, what if? What if this happens? What if that happens? What if this? That's what fear says. But faith on your head says, even if, even if this happens, that's not going to shake my faith. Not negotiable. Thank you. Yes. Faith is a non-negotiable aspect of our Christian life. If you feel like you haven't received the gift of faith, if you feel like you haven't made the choice for faith, if you feel like you're not disciplined in your faith, if you feel that, Hey, I got some good news for you. You can start today. <laughs> There's no condemnation in this. You can start right now. You can start immediately. You can start right now. Start by making a choice to have, you know what a good, good place to start at? Start making a, a choice to actually have dedicated time for prayer. That's a good place to start. Why prayer? Because prayer is the language of faith. 
So many of you do this already. I know that. I know a lot of you uh, are incredible prayer warriors in this assembly. It's incredible the amount of time that you, you put into God, that you dedicate to prayer, that you dedicate to the people in this, in this, in this assembly. Your prayer life is awesome, and it's an awesome example to others. I want to thank you just publicly for that as well, too, that you spend so much time in prayer. Hallelujah. It's a fantastic thing. Pray without ceasing. Amen? Learn to keep your heart open to commune with God at all times. That's a, that's a discipline that you can, you can develop as well, too. What's my prayer today? I think my prayer today is this, is that may the Lord help us be people of faith so that we can absolutely please him and that we feel his pleasure on us. Amen? I, that's what I want to be. Some of us are going through difficult seasons. You know, some of us are going through difficult financial seasons. Some of us are going through uh, difficulties in our health. Some of us are going through difficulties in our mental health. Some of us are going through difficulties, you know, some, sometimes just spiritual difficulties that we're going through. But let me just say this. Don't rob yourself of faith. <laughs> Don't rob yourself of faith. It's not negotiable. Don't rob yourself of faith. It may look like it. It may not look like it now, but breakthrough Breakthrough is just a faith away, right? That's where breakthrough is. It's in the faith. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Let that be your, your word for today. And the cure for all things in this world is to walk with God by faith. That's what we do. Amen? Earnestly seek him with all of our heart. Hallelujah. It's fantastic, isn't it? We need faith. We need faith in all aspects of our life, every aspect, whatever you're going through, whatever your circumstances, faith, 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 faith. That's where the breakthrough is. Come on. Hallelujah. If you could just start the music. I want to say a prayer over you this morning. Uh, I want us to be an assembly that, that not only lives by faith, but it demonstrates it. Yes. Oh, amen. I, thank you. I received the agreement. Hallelujah. Mm. Heavenly Father, Lord, let's just bow our heads and seek him this morning. Heavenly Father, Lord, we just thank you, Lord, that you have given us an incredible gift of faith. You have given us the gift of faith that that, that surpasses all understanding, Lord, that, that, that is just so precious to us, and we want to receive that gift right now. Lord, we thank you, Lord, that, uh, that we also have the choice of faith, Lord, that we have to choose to be in your faith. And Lord, we just ask right now, Lord, that you will just, uh, you will just convict us if we need to have more faith in our lives, if we need to turn our, our understanding around, if we need to switch our mindsets to one of faith, Lord, I just pray right now, Lord, that you will just help us with that transition to faith in you. And Lord, I just ask right now, Lord, that you'll give us the strength as well, Lord, to, to be disciplined in our faith. Lord, because we know that we, we have to go after you, Lord. That as we draw closer to you, you'll draw closer to us. So Lord, we just pray right now, Lord, that we will just be disciplined in all things, Lord. That, that we will just know what it is like to, to be in your presence, Lord, as we discipline ourselves to be close to you. Just like Enoch was, Lord. We just ask right now, Lord, that you will just build up our faith, Lord, in all of our circumstances. No matter what they are, we know that you will bring the breakthrough. 
And we just pray right now, Lord, that you will just move us in faith so that we'll be assembly that, that uh, not only declares faith, but demonstrates faith in our lives. We pray that now in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen and amen. Hallelujah.